open your Bibles again and look at our text verse, which is verse number 11. For the Bible says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I have the three names underlined, Savior, Christ, and Lord. And I'm preaching this morning of the subject, There is Meaning to Every Name. There is meaning to every name. Every name that Christ was given was, a, was an activity, was a purpose for which he came. You and I are given names because we are named after a, a parent, a grandparent, somebody in the family, uh, after a rich uncle hoping that he will remember us. And... Um, that's the meaning of our names. Uh, but in the scripture and especially in the beautiful Christmas story and throughout the word of God, every name meant something. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us as we look into your word today and we receive information and instruction from it. I pray that we would receive it with a hungry heart, a receptive mind. I ask again, Lord, as I have through the night and this morning, that you would fill me with your spirit, that I may deliver the truth of the message, Lord, that I could uplift and glorify the wonderful name of Jesus. And it's in that name I pray, amen. The very first passage of scripture I remember memorizing was the passage that we read a while ago. How many of you memorized it for a Christmas play sometime? And uh, I'll never forget, boy, I was really doing good until my kindergarten class came out on the platform and they turned on all the lights. And I was like the little boy who said, before I got up here, me and my mommy knew my parts. Right now, only my mommy can remember them. And, uh, and I remember memorizing that passage of Scripture then. As just a kindergarten student, I learned the words. For 50 years, I've been a Christian. 51 years, I've been a Christian. For 35 years, I've been preaching the Word of God. And I'm still learning from this amazing story of Christmas. Verse number 11, the Bible tells us, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. In this passage, we learn that Joseph and Mary go to Bethlehem, and while they were there to be taxed, uh, her time came that she would uh, give birth to the Christ child. When Jesus was born, there was an angel that came from heaven and appeared first to the shepherds as they were tending their sheep in the night watch. You can imagine in the darkness of the night and maybe seeing a few flickering lights off in the distance or the light that came from the flames of a fire that would keep them warm in the night. All of a sudden a bright light and a loud noise comes from heaven and it begins to proclaim the glory to God in the highest and he tells them that the Christ child had been born. Naturally, they were afraid. It scared them. And that's why he said, The angel of the Lord said unto them, Fear not. I've thought of the message I preached last week 
not just the fear knots of the Bible, but when they were given, they're always given at a time of fear. And God comes and he says to us, there's no need to fear. There's no need to be afraid. This is the sound, this is the announcement of good news. I want you to notice that the angel not only told them of the birth of the baby Jesus, uh, the angel called Jesus by these three names. Not just names for Jesus, but they identify who he was and why he came to earth. Perhaps no other story in the Bible speaks with such clarity about the power and the purpose of God as does what we call in these verses the Christmas story. It still amazes me that God would step out of eternity and to step into time to come from a place of sinlessness and perfection to walk among men in a sin-cursed world. As the songwriter says, I still stand amazed at his coming. I read of the shepherds. They were a lowly and undeserving group of folks. They were uh, they did their jobs. They were not a part of the townspeople. They weren't a part of the uh, activities of the town. They were a unique individual. And, and uh, oftentimes they smelled just like the sheep because they didn't go to work and back. They lived with the sheep. That was their life to care for them. And it was of the lowest of men that the angel came first. And said, I want you angels to, I want you shepherds to know first that the Savior that you've been looking forward to coming, you've heard your parents and your grandparents talk about the prophets of old that said he was coming. I just want you to know right over there in that stable, Christ has been born. I read of the angels that make amazing earthly appearances. I read of the wise men and I rejoice that these not so righteous and perhaps even pagan men traveled out of curiosity so far and came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I read of the manger and I'm reminded that Jesus laid aside certain attributes of his deity that he might become a man and die for sinners and not only die but to live a life so he could experience everything you and I would experience in life. And when I go to God in prayer, there's not a single thing that I can tell God about that Jesus has not experienced during his life on earth. No matter what else the world may make of Christmas, Christmas will always be about the baby born in Bethlehem and why he came to the earth. What do these three names mean? What do these three names mean to us? What do these three names, Savior, Christ, and Lord, what is the definition, what is the purpose of his coming in fulfilling these names? First of all, we have the name of Savior, and it is the title or work of acceptance. You see, you and I, uh, we, as Adam was uh, expelled from the Garden of Eden because of his sin, you and I were separated from God as a sinner. God and sinners do not and cannot have fellowship. We can't be accepted of God in our sinful condition. But the reason Christ came as Savior was to make us 
acceptable. Now, I didn't become acceptable because of who I was or who I am or what I became. I'm made acceptable by his son, the Savior, Jesus Christ. No man has ever merited or been worthy of being accepted in the beloved or being a part of God's family, but it was Christ the Savior that made me accepted. For you see, the Bible says in Luke 19.10 that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. I want you, I want you to hear this statement. Until... And unless we see ourselves as Christ saw us, we'll never comprehend the magnitude of Christ's coming unless we see ourselves as undeserving sinners. We cannot appreciate, let alone celebrate, the coming of the Savior. But when we recognize how low we were, how lost we were, how undone and how separated from God we were, when we come to that realization, we somehow categorize sin and we say those sins are really bad and those folks are really far from God. All but my sins, uh, they're not too bad. Just a few small sins. May I say this morning, separated is separated. Uh, Lost is lost. Undone is undone. And until we see ourselves as undeserving and lowly sinners, we'll never comprehend. We'll never be able to celebrate the fact that Christ is our Savior. You see, God sees man as a sinner under condemnation. I hear folks say often, you shouldn't preach against sin. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. Uh, No, he didn't because the world was already condemned. The world had already gone to court and been found guilty and placed in the prison of death and uh, uh, awaiting the execution of death and in eternity in hell. He came to folks that were already lost, that were already sinners, that were already convicted, that were already in the prisons of sin. He didn't come to condemn us. He didn't need to. We were already condemned in our sins. He came as a savior to condemned sinners to open the prison doors as the prophet Isaiah said and Jesus read from when he went into the temple, I came to set the captive free. Thank God Jesus set me free. For a long time I traveled down a long lonely road. My heart was so heavy and sin I sank low. But then I heard about Jesus. What a wonderful hour. Thank God, thank God. He brought me out and saved me by his power. Savior means that he made us acceptable in the sight of God. As Savior, Jesus provided three essential services to the sinner. First of all, we're delivered from sin. I want you to take your Bibles and go to 1 Peter chapter 1. Now, it's a small book toward the end of your Bible, and it's just past Hebrews and James. It is before Revelation, as all books are. It is after Genesis. It's right between Genesis and Revelation. 1 Peter chapter 1. And I want you to notice in two verses, in verse number 18 and 19. 1 Peter 1.18, For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold 
Now, we look at silver and gold as a standard of value. God looks at silver and gold as things that rust and corrupt. You weren't redeemed with silver and gold. From your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He offered his blood and his blood. He was the Savior. His blood made atonement for our sin. And that's what delivered us from our sin. And Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 6, the Bible said, once we were delivered, we were made acceptable by him. Have you ever had a meeting that you were nervous or afraid to meet someone? And yet someone else knew that person better than you. In fact, they were friends of the person that you were nervous to meet. And they said, go on, meet them. They're nice people. And you said, won't you go with me? You, you, you go with me. I don't know exactly what to say. I'm nervous. You go with me. You know what Jesus did? He delivered me from my sin. And then he made me acceptable in the sight of the Father. He said, come on, let me introduce you to the Father. I did not have to nervously approach the Father and introduce myself, but at salvation, He not only delivered me from my sin, He brought me and gave me a formal introduction to the Heavenly Father and made me accepted in His sight. And He not only did that, He preserved me. I'm glad that when He gave me life, He gave me eternal life. He didn't give me two weeks, two years, two decades, 200 years. He gave me eternal life. I am saved. And since I'm not saved by myself, uh, of myself, and since I'm saved by him and of him, he's the one that does the saving and he's the one that does the keeping. And he has preserved me until that day of redemption. The day of redemption means the day that we actually get into heaven. I'm preserved. Aren't you glad this morning that he is our Savior? You see, names mean something. When Jesus came, he came not as a judge, but he came as a Savior. The songwriter said it like this, Once I was straying in sin's dark valley. No hope within could I see. They searched through heaven and found a Savior to save a poor soul like me. Oh, what a Savior, oh hallelujah. His heart was broken on Calvary. His hands were nail scarred. His side was riven. He gave his life's blood for even me. In death's chilling waters, one day I'll be crossing. Ah, but his hand will lead me safely o'er. I'll join the chorus in that great city to sing up there forevermore. All because he is my savior, he made me acceptable to God. Then there's the name Christ. I want you to notice that. It's in the same verse. Uh, Jesus, uh, uh, the savior, uh, the Christ. The name or title Christ means having access. Acceptable is one thing. Access is another. Let me give you a simple illustration. If you go to someone else's home because you have a friend that's perhaps a son or daughter of the owners of the home, you go to their house and the son of the father and mother would say, come on in, it's all right, we want you to have supper with us. We're made acceptable 
And then we not only are made acceptable, we have access to the Father. You know what that means? The Son says to us, that brings us in, hey, if you want anything to drink or anything to eat, right there's a refrigerator, right there's the pantry. And God not only made me acceptable in the sight of the Father, He brought me in and He said, I just want you to know that you are now a son and I want you to know that you have access to everything that is God. You can now go to Him yourself. I have not, I've been made acceptable not only by him, I have access to him. I love this. Not only do I have access, I can now approach the Father through his Son. Take your Bibles and go to Hebrews. You were in 1 Peter. Now you close your Bible and you have to find it again. Back up to Hebrews chapter 4. You want to mark this verse, Hebrews chapter 4. I want you to notice what he says in Hebrews chapter 4 uh, down in verse number 16. Let's read 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Why would you go to the throne of grace? That we may obtain mercy. And find grace to help in the time of need. Let me tell you what mercy and grace is. Mercy is God not giving me what I deserve. Grace is God giving me what I do not deserve. So I can now go boldly to the throne of grace and I can find both mercy, thank God for forgiveness, I can find grace, the blessings that though I don't deserve them, I receive them, by the way, not because of us, but because of Christ that made us acceptable and gives us access to the things of God. Excuse me while I get excited. Just excuse me just a minute, if you will. That just stirs my soul. To realize I have access to the Father through His Son. By the way, He's always home. I don't ever ring the bell and say, he's not here right now, you have to come back. I don't ever call and have to hear a message that says for one press, for English press one and for Spanish press two. And he always is there. I have access to the Father. So I can approach the Father. John 16, 23 says that I can appeal to the Father. You see, what how can we appeal to the Father? Who are we? I'm a child of the king's who I am. It's not because of me. It's because of the king. I'm a child of the king. And that gives me the right to appeal to the Father. John 16, 23. And when I appeal to the Father, I can now anticipate the blessings of God because of Christ. You see, in this position, he addresses the Father on our behalf. You've said this before about folks. You've said, talk to him for me. Maybe a girl has said to another girl who happens to be the brother of a person she's interested in. It's most likely a boy saying to another fellow who has a sister, hey, bud, put in a good word for me. Hmm? The Bible says that Jesus says to the father, Father, this is my son. I've redeemed him from his sins. He's a part of the family now. 
can appeal to the Father. So first of all, we have the Savior that makes us accepted. Uh, second of all, we have the Christ that gives us access to the blessings of God. But then there's a name, Lord. In Luke chapter 2, in verse number 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. He made you acceptable, which is Christ. He gave you access. And then he says, the Lord. And that is a title of authority. Not just some authority, not just great authority, but all authority. The Lord has all authority. He is the Lord of Lords. He's the one, according to the book of John in chapter 1, that was with the Father and did the creating work in the beginning. Jesus was. Jesus is the one that created. And according to Colossians chapter 1, he created all things and all things for his pleasure. And he has absolute control in all things. Now and again, I'll hear, uh, I think they're called astronomists, uh, maybe so, maybe other names. I can't even understand their names, let alone what all they study. But sometimes they'll warn us and say, we're, we, we, we fear that these planets are going to crash or uh, this is going to explode. And, 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 and I'm glad that I have the assurance of this book to say it'll not explode and burn until God says to because he has all authority. He controls uh, uh, the universe. He controls the galaxy. He controls the sun, the moon, and the stars, and the planets of the world, uh, and even things that men have not yet discovered. He is Lord. Now the truth is, and it's an amazing thing, he wants to be the Lord of our lives. Now he is Lord, but he desires to be the Lord of our lives. That means that I get off the throne of my life and I let Jesus sit down on the throne of my life and I become subject to his lordship. A preacher friend of mine who is in heaven now used to tell the story. He told it often, and I love to hear the story. He said, I grew up in Texas. My mother was a wonderful Christian lady, but my father, he was a drunkard. And because of his drinking, we grew up poor. And he said, we moved often. <laughs> in fact, he told the story. He said, we were poor, and mama would say, I want you to go down to the butcher and See if he has a dog for, see if he has a dog, see if he has a bone, see if he has a bone for the dog. And he said, I said, Mama, we don't have a dog. He said, just, she said, just go down there and see if he has a bone for the dog. And sometimes the soup we ate was just boiled leftover bones from meat. We were poor. He said, I remember Dad coming in sometimes drunken and mistreating my mom. And I remember hearing my mother pray for my dad to be saved, and he never got saved. He said, when I was a teenager, I decided one of these days I'm going to get a job, and I'm going to earn money, and I'm going to buy my mom new clothes, and I'm going to buy her a new house, and I'm going to make my mama a queen what I'm going to do. He said, I did grow up, and... I did get a job. I did earn money and I did buy her a new wardrobe of clothes and I did buy her a new house, but I found out something. 
Mama was already acquainted. All I could do is recognize it. Can I tell you something that the Heavenly Father, He is Lord. And the best way to live life and the joy and happiness in life is to recognize that He is in control of all things and life goes so much better when we yield our life to Him, when we yield our family to Him, when we yield our marriage to Him, when we yield our business to Him. He came and He is Lord. That's why Paul wrote uh, to uh, the Romans in Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He is Lord. He wrote in Philippians chapter 2 verse number 10 that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that there's coming a time that God will appear in judgment and men will cry for the rocks of the mountains. Uh, They'll cry for the mountains to fall on them and hide them from the face of God. I'm glad this morning that I have peace with God and He is my Father. He is my Savior that made me acceptable uh, to uh, the Father and He is the Christ that gave me access uh, to the Father and He is Lord that gives authority and He is the Lord of my life. I do not fear Him. I look forward to seeing Him face to face. Fanny Crosby, the blind Lady blind from childhood who wrote hundreds and even thousands of songs. She wrote about when she gets to heaven, the first person she wants to see is Jesus. If you're a child of God this morning, there's no reason for you to have fear of him. We look forward to seeing his face. You see, these names mean something. Luke 2 verse number 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, He'd made me acceptable in the sight of God. Which is Christ that gave me access to the Father, the Lord. That gave me the right and secure authority in my life that I could know the joys of life and serving Christ. That's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about not just knowing that he was born, but knowing why he came and what it means to you. And what it means to me. Stand with me if you will. You're here this morning and you've never received Christ as your Savior. Today you ought to make this day. And what a wonderful day it would be. To receive Christ as personal Savior. You're here this morning. You've been saved. But folks do not know about it. You've not made a public profession. You ought to come this morning. And let us take the Bible. And give you these Bible verses of assurance of salvation. Then if you've not followed the Lord in believer's baptism, you ought to be obedient to Him. Baptism does not save you. It's simply a testimony of your faith in Christ. As two different couples stood at the wedding altar this week and they exchanged the vows and they said, I do. At that point, they were married. They exchanged those vows They said, I do. But then the preacher said, we come now to the 
ring ceremony. And that was not to marry them. That was just to give a testimony to others that they are married. And with joy and gladness, they exchange those rings and they wear them gladly to let everybody know that they are married. That's what baptism does. It lets folks know we believe in the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ for our salvation. If you've not done that, you ought to be obedient to Christ and join these who are coming this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless in our invitation time. Thank you, Lord. There's so many names that you have in the Bible and none of them are given just to be given as a name. All of them mean something and they represent a part of your purpose in coming. And Lord, you, don't, <clears throat> you do not meet many of our needs. You meet every need we have. And I pray that you'd bless in this invitation. No greater time in the year, no greater time than today to have things settled and to make things right with you, our Savior. Bless, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.